Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories, to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily, featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm DJR David Rothkopf, one of your co-hosts, joined as always by the great, the irreplaceable Chris Cottmore. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. The spectacular, and to those of us doing this podcast right now, the invisible Riley Fessler. How are you, Riley? I'm doing pretty well. What? story from around the world caught your eye this morning, Chris? Um, So the Ukraine plane crash uh, that reportedly killed 65 POWs uh, seems to be getting more mysterious. Um, Ukraine's called for an international investigation. There have not been uh, any um, revelations in terms of the the bodies being recovered, though <clears throat> this morning it was reported that the flight recorder was reported. Um, it does seem that a plane went down, though it's still uncertain whether uh, people or these POWs were on the plane. Ukraine said it had no reliable information about who was on board. They said that there was a scheduled uh, POW exchange uh, that was supposed to happen yesterday which did not happen. Um, so again, we'll we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. It seems so weird to me, though. Well, weird, is it really, when you consider that the Russians lie about everything? Um, uh, that, but, you know. but, sorry, but what's to gain? I mean, like, what's to gain by saying we th- that a plane was... I mean, I get what Russia's doing. Russia essentially accused Kiev, right? of bombing this plane. But what's the gain if, if they say these POWs were actually killed? Um, well, I don't know. Propaganda, because they said the Ukrainians shot it down. So then they would say the Ukrainians did a self-inflicted wound, you know. Uh, but uh, as we, you know, when we first reported this yesterday, we did say there were competing stories. And, um, uh, you know, these things take 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 a while to come out. But In the end, I suspect we will know what has come out here. This won't change things one way or another. Um, But uh, uh, for that, you'll have to look to the United States Congress, which is currently in the process of making it uh, uh, 
less likely that Ukraine gets the assistance it needs, uh, as thanks to one Donald Trump, uh, and who uh, has scuttled progress on the immigration deal, which uh, Speaker Johnson has said is the requirement to get further aid for Ukraine. Uh, if the United States drops the ball on that, um, it'll turn out to be one of the greatest strategic blunders we've ever made. A real setback for Ukraine, a real setback for NATO, a real setback for the West. And while there, you know, are a majority in both houses to support that aid, uh, there is a real possibility right now that it won't come, uh, and there is a likelihood it will be delayed, even if it does come. So as we approach the second anniversary of this more intensive phase of this ten-year-old war, um, there are some big question marks that uh, loom even larger than the ones surrounding this. Uh, a uh, mysterious plane crash. Riley? Well, my first story, regrettably, comes from my home state, um, and that is because Ohio lawmakers have overridden the governor's veto to pass a bill banning gender-affirming care for minors, uh, and they're joining over 20 other states with similar restrictions. And we talked about before how Governor Mike DeWine overrode this bill, but uh, the Republicans hold a supermajority in both the House and Senate for Ohio. So it was kind of inevitable that this was going to be overridden, despite the fact that Mike DeWine himself is a Republican. Um, and really the big issue with this, well, there's a lot, but DeWine's objection was on the basis of medical professionals say that this is a bad idea and the Ohio Republicans are trying to couch this as saying this is what's medically best for children. And obviously that is not the case when every medical provider in the state is saying uh, the, the exact opposite. So it's just, it's a culture war issue that is unfortunately affecting lots of people. Um, this is going to be a disaster for those children that really need this treatment. And it's they're going to have to look elsewhere. Unfortunately, they're going to have to travel to other states, which is not always a possibility. Yeah, and one has to ask in a political year, not just you know whether this is a good policy or a bad policy. It's a bad policy, but what the consequence is. And I think uh, you know one of the things that gets voters out to vote is when their rights are taken away. Uh, that has certainly been the case with abortion rights. Uh, it is likely to be the case on this. Uh, it is likely to have a big effect on the youth vote. Uh, and it is, you know, I think also likely to be one of these things uh, that seems like a culture war uh, issue right now, but ends up being a losing issue for the Republican Party as it mobilizes uh, opponents who will seek to reverse these kind of inhumane um, uh, pieces of legislation. Chris? Uh, the severe drought in the Amazon last year, researchers have determined, has been primarily caused by human-induced global warming. Um, while both climate change and El Nino played a role, the World Weather Attribution Initiative emphasizes that higher global temperatures were the main cause, particularly due to a heat-driven evaporation. Um Researchers or their, a meteorologist commented on this, acknowledging the severity 
um, of the situation, but also pointed out that it's difficult to separate natural climate variability with human-induced um, issues. The significance of this development is that uh, the Amazon is actually a, 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 a called a carbon sink, so it actually absorbs carbon. Um, but as deforestation continues, uh, it can become a carbon emitter and essentially um, will contribute to uh, the problem that is already um, at pretty uh, alarming uh, proportions. Yeah, pretty alarming. Uh, as the the world uh, is, uh, last year was the hottest year in in the history of the world for man made reasons. Uh, what's alarming is that there are still people out there who argue that those man made reasons, uh, you know, are not what's driving this, uh, and that includes, you know, one of two political parties in the United States and one of two people who could be the next president of the United States. So. Given that we're the richest, most powerful nation on earth, and a lot of countries follow our lead, um, we could have a reversion back to anti-climate um, uh, policies, anti-environmental policies, uh, such as those that uh, Trump tried to push through the last time. That could be really devastating. Another thing that could be really devastating um, is the Supreme Court if they uh, reverse the Chevron decision and limit the ability of the federal government to regulate uh, the behavior of corporations, uh, clean air regulation, um, uh, uh, you know, being a big part of that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, sort of beyond possible at this point. It seems likely. Uh, so there's a lot of bad news out there for the climate at just the moment we realize what we are doing is having a catastrophic effect. Riley? Well, Viktor Orban's government continues to be a thorn in the side of NATO and Ukraine. Uh, after Turkey's ratification of Sweden's NATO membership bid, uh, Hungary is the last holdouts, and despite the fact that previously Viktor Orban said that he would approve Sweden's bid promptly, the parliamentary speaker says that he sees no urgency in approving the NATO bid, and he has personally expressed that he does not even support their NATO accession. Um, and this is especially a problem given that Hungarian parliament is not in session, uh, so opposition calls for an extraordinary session will probably fail. And, you know, this is not exactly surprising. Orban has certainly been an ally of Putin, uh, re and especially in recently. So his continued stymieing of this uh, NATO expansion is not at all surprising, but it is frustrating, especially given his previous comments saying that he would. And there's not really an easy solution for this. Uh, he's just going to continue to cause trouble. Well, that said, Viktor Orban yesterday told NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg that his government supports Sweden's membership bid. And he wrote on Twitter, um, or as other people refer to it, X, I reaffirm that the Hungarian government supports the NATO membership of Sweden. So uh, there's a little confusion perhaps in Hungary, but uh, I know U.S. senior officials believe that ultimately uh, this obstacle will be removed and Sweden will uh, join NATO. 
Uh, and uh, clearly, we hope that happens sooner rather than later. Chris. Uh, last week, we reported that uh, Japan was um, about to land on the moon on Saturday. They reported a successful landing, becoming the fifth country to actually land on the mood, moon. A um, couple of... <laughs> mood a couple of interesting things about the landing is um it was one of the if not the most accurate landing in terms of their targeted um approach surpassing uh that i guess record by uh several kilometers they started releasing but there's a butt coming right i mean i don't have a butt well, is there a but? That's, that's another. That's another matter. Didn't the photovoltaic cells fail to un, uh, deploy? Um, I know that. Yeah, they that there were again. I'm reporting here. Um, slight issue where one of the lander's engines stopped during a final touchdown phase, leading the lander at an angle. The mission was largely successful. They've had some issues with. Uh, electrical um, or restarting, uh, but but a largely successful mission. And I I raise this. I know people don't necessarily like us talking about uh, sports ball. I guess is is what our listeners call it. But I feel like space and sports are the two areas that the world largely comes together. Um, you know, which is why we report a sports story every once in a while. Um, and I've finished watching the For All Mankind series on Apple TV, where they've established colonies on both the moon and Mars uh, with uh, all um, countries, including North Korea, participating uh in that colonization of of Mars. In any case, a significant achievement for Japan uh, landing on the moon. Uh, Yes and no. The lead from NPR on January 22nd, three days ago, was uh, will Japan's moon lander get a charge from the sun or will its mission be cut short when its battery dies? Um, They shut it down, the moon lander, because... Uh, the battery was dying because the photovoltaic cells didn't deploy. Um, uh, uh, the CBS News story on the day of the landing said, Japanese moon lander touches down but crippled by mission-ending power glitch. So it was accurate. They got there. That is an achievement. You're totally right about the degree uh, to which uh, space brings people together. Um, but it's hard. It's not easy to do these things, and Japan has discovered that even with all of their enormous scientific and technological resources, there is this glitch uh, that uh, the the spacecraft is uh, suffering. Um, And um, uh, probably the most underrated space sci-fi movie of them all is Moon. I recommend it strongly. Um, about lunar exploration uh, and a and a, and a big uh, twist that takes place, and uh, it is uh, kind of spooky and interesting and 
uh, stars Sam Rockwell, one of the most underrated high-quality actors out there. So if you're feeling a little bit of a need for inspiration in this, go watch Moon, 2009 movie. Riley? Trouble for Javier Millet in Argentina. Oh, too bad. Couldn't happen. I know. What a shame. Yeah. Uh, a one-day general strike took place, uh, which was organized by the country's largest union, uh, and this is in protest to his recent measures targeting unions and his proposed economic and labor law reforms. Uh, and it's still important to note that a lot of his reforms are expected to be pretty highly watered down as they pass through uh, Congress, um, given that he does not hold a majority in uh, any of the branches of Congress. So it's clear that these are going to not be as radical as he would like, but nonetheless, it's still a major issue. Um, And this strike in and of itself is not a huge deal. Uh, It did not really have a large effect, but it is emblematic of the fact that he is already facing pretty severe backlash domestically. He still enjoys pretty broad support among his base, but I do think this is a sign of things to come as those austerity measures have a pretty profound effect on pretty much everyone. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be an Argentina society. So we'll see how this kind of continues to develop and if he continues to face this pretty severe backlash. Uh, yeah, well, I will face a lot of backlash. He's got extreme policies and uh, um, they are going to hurt. Shock therapy almost always does that. That's what he is purporting to be unfolding. Um, I'll, I'll say as an additional uh, story you might want to look into, I've got a column coming out later today in the Daily Beast that is looking at the actions by Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott to ignore the U.S. Supreme Court and to continue to block the federal government from having access to the border based on what he asserts is his constitutional right because the government has failed to protect Texas. And so, therefore, Texas has the ability um, or, uh, you know, um, uh, he asserts it has the ability to have the right to ignore the federal government and impose its own border measures. This is, of course, contrary to the supremacy clause of the Constitution. Uh, it is the kind of issue that usually is met by a very strong demonstration of federal authority, as was the case following the Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1956 when Orville Faubus decided he would ignore the Supreme Court. He was governor of Arkansas, and Dwight Eisenhower sent in the 101st Airborne Division to um, uh, pass along the message that the president of the United States was still in control in the United States. Um, But it's yet another example of People in the GOP ignoring the Constitution and the rule of law in this country and is something that should be of some concern. Uh, So you might want to take a look for that if you're interested in that story. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow with more stories. If you're interested in Israel and Gaza, we had a spectacularly interesting discussion of that with uh, Noga Tarnopolsky, an Israeli journalist, plus Ed Luce and Corey Shockey and Rosa Brooks yesterday. Uh, and we have an interesting political podcast coming for you today on what's going on on the Hill and in Washington. So uh, that's under our Words Matter banner, so you can go and look for that. Um, uh, so join us for one of those. Join us back here for 
the DSR Daily tomorrow. Until then, bye-bye.